<laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start a new series this morning on power for today. And the whole idea is looking at the Holy Spirit. And um, the Holy Spirit, just doctrinally speaking, is the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, right? So if you look at it doctrinally and you look through the Bible, uh, um, the God the Father plans, God the Son purchases, right, by his blood, and God the Spirit performs or acts. And you'll see that from Genesis all the way through to the end. You'll see that, uh, that similar pattern throughout. So you got God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so when you go into Scripture, from Genesis to Revelations, you see so much on the Holy Spirit, uh, quite a bit in the New Testament, even more in the Old. Amen. So you have Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost or Comforter or just the word Spirit, the Spirit. Amen. And so if God speaks about this so much in Scripture, then it has to be vitally important for you and I. And so we need to understand the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the function of the Holy Spirit and how it operates in our lives. Amen. has many functions, and we'll look at some of them over the next several weeks, but it has a purpose as well. And that's what we're going to answer today. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Not the function, but its purpose or his purpose in our lives. Amen. We're going to be primarily in the book of Acts. You've probably heard it before. You know, you know the book of Acts is like the Acts of the Apostles. But in reality, if you read it, which I would recommend, if you read it, it's actually the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit operating and doing what he does in the book of Acts. And this is, this is a critical uh, of thinking, amen. In fact, you know, reading the book of Luke and reading the book of Acts, and when you put them together, because it's written by one person, Luke, he wrote book of Acts as well, you'll see uh, uh, the, the Spirit of God being mentioned probably more than any other place when you put those together, because he's writing one letter to the other. And so, um, yeah, when people want to study the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, they'll, they'll go to Luke. And it's, you know, a lot of heady studies, you know. But um, so what we're going to do today is lay a foundation uh, of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So this is just going to be simply looking at the Holy Spirit. It's going to be very practical. It's not going to be, you know theological so much as very practical, amen, because the Spirit of God is very practical as you see it operating throughout the book of Acts. So that's what we're looking at, the purpose of the Holy Spirit this morning, number one. And so this is our text is mainly we're going to be in the book of Acts, but today we're actually going to be in the book of John. <laughs> and uh, John, Acts, I mean, you know, come on. And so... Uh, John chapter 16, 5 through 7 is our text this morning. Alisa, you can get that. I need some other scriptures. I need Romans 7, verse 18. Ken, 
I need 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5, Phil. McLean, get me 1 Kings 3, verse 7. I need 2 Kings 4, verse 31. Uh, uh, well, all those hands together, man. You just like, threw it out at me. Okay, we're going to get Spencer. I need John 1, 14, Leah. Pretty, you can give me Acts 10, 38. Any other takers over there? Melanie, you can give me John 15, 5. Thank you for your hands. I need a couple more here. I need um, a John 16, 16. Uh, uh, Priya? Priya. Priya? Oh. I don't know. I don't know why I got lost on that one. I'm thinking, I, I was going to say pretty, and I'm like, Pri Priya? Pretty? <laughs> Okay, it's all right, though. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. <laughs> Priya, yeah. 1616, John 16. And then I need John 16.6. Uh, Jasmine, why don't you get that this morning? Okay, that will keep us going quite far. Amen. So let's read our text this morning. We're looking at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, 5 through 7. Okay. All right. So counselor, comforter. Um, yeah, different translations go different directions. But uh, let's look first of all at the need for power. Because we're called, we're really called to a supernatural relationship with God. Amen. Um, we're, it's beyond human effort and human Ability, amen. When you go into the Old Testament, you can see that the Old Testament, one of the most visible pictures, it's, it's, it's impossible to be right with God through human effort. Is this, is, your relationship with God will never be down to just you being a very good boy and a very good girl because inside it's not true. <laughs> it's, you know that. I know that really when it gets down to it. I need something supernatural to con connect me with God and, uh, and to stay connected. Amen. We're called to do supernatural works for God. Amen. Help change people's lives, overcome supernatural enemies. I mean, think about that. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and power. It's like that's sci-fi. You know, it's like, how do I do that? I, how do I wrestle with things I can't even see. I mean, I can handle what I can see. No, I can't even handle what I see, but to, to ha try to handle what I can't see. You know, the devil and demons, and it's like, my goodness, supernatural enemies. Um, so we are, we're called into a supernatural relationship with God. We're going to need something more than ourselves. And the problem is we are human beings. We have inbuilt weaknesses. We have inbuilt limitations just by being a human being. We have a few of them. We'll just kind of go through some of them. There's probably more, but we have personal weakness in character, right? Our character. 
you know, um, we wrestle with the flesh. We wrestle with our very base nature. We wrestle with sin and habits. Romans 7, verse 18. Okay, so Paul, Paul, Paul just comes out and just says, you know, in my flesh there's no good thing. That's true for you. That's true for me. In my, fle my flesh fights God. If God says left, my flesh says right. God says up, my flesh says down. My flesh is totally opposite of God. That my nature, my rebellious, sinful, self-willed nature in the same one you have as I have, as Paul has, fights God. So here we are trying to live for God, but yet there's part of us that could care less about living for God. We live for ourselves. We are so selfish and self-centered. That's our flesh. And so Paul is looking at that, and he's like, you know, um, it's, I don't have the character to pull this off, and neither does anyone else. It's a human weakness. Uh, just personal fears. We have a lack of confidence. 2 Corinthians 7 5. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were fightings, within were fears. So he's saying, you know, that you know, doing the will of he's doing the will of God, and yet he's still dealing with things on the inside. That the fears is like, you know, I can't do this, I can't face this. I can't pull this off. Look at the disciples. Jesus dies, and they're hiding. They went into the upper room, but they were fearful. And that's why we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit came on board, as we see in the book of Acts. That changed everything. But before that, they're, they're actually living out their personal fear. They have no confidence to do what Jesus has asked them to do. It's like he's asked us to take the world, and it's like, are you kidding me? And so, yeah, you know, um, it's not so much not wanting to do what Jesus wants them to do. It's I can't do what you want me to do. There's a lack of ability, amen. God calls us to do things, well, we've never done before, amen. We don't have any training or experience or inbuilt talents that God asks us to do. It's like, God asked Moses to uh, go to Pharaoh. And, you know, he wasn't too crazy about that. You do know that. <laughs> I mean, he comes up with all kinds of excuses. And I don't even know if they were excuses. I think they were just kind of like Moses is looking at himself and you got the wrong guy. I, I can't speak. Well, I'll get Aaron. <laughs> I can't get away from this, can I? <laughs> so he realizes his lack of ability. Uh, there's a lack of understanding. As smart as we think we are, we're really not. Amen. So there's so much in life that we simply don't know what to do. 1 Kings 3, verse 7. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Okay, so obviously we're talking, you know, uh, Solomon here. But it's just, it's just true in life. It's true in serving God. We lack basic understanding. There's just things that are just, they're just not happening. Amen. And so, you know, uh, we need help. And so 
yeah, just being a human, there's these limitations, there's these weaknesses that every one of us have. Uh, there's problems and circumstances, amen. There's just the, the natural difficulties that stand in the way of doing the will of God. You know, you face things and you come up against crises, you come up against, you know, circumstances that, that seem to, to work against you. The Bible talks about mountains. You can say to this mountain, and obviously we face sometimes mountains, it, you know, trying to do the will of God. It could be, you know, the economy, uh, finances, it could be a lot of different things, people, you know what I'm saying? You know, there's just a, just, you know, we face issues and circumstances just trying to do this thing called the will of God for our lives. They're supernatural, and that's part of it as well, right? We have supernatural powers that are fighting against us, something way beyond ourselves, amen. Uh, you know, fighting God's will and fighting God's work, you know, the devil or demons. You know, the Bible says, you know, here you are out witnessing. You think it would be an easy thing, but, you know, the God of this world blinds people's eye, eyes, amen, cause them to not see. It's like, how can you not see what I'm saying? You know, it's like, you know what I'm saying? But they're blinded. They're blinded. And, you know, sometimes you can feel it when you're on an outreach. It's like, I don't have it. I don't have what it takes, amen. It's just not happening. And there's an enemy, amen, that comes against conversions. It comes against, you know, us, assaults our lives. And so these are, this is the thought here. We started out with the need for power. We need power, amen. But when we face these things, one of the things that we're dealing with here is because of this, you know, we are powerless saints, we have no power, amen, and we can live in great frustration. We just, you know, sometimes we just accept our lack of power as a normal reality, right? That even though it's not God's intention for our lives, God tells us to do things, he expects things to be done. And he, and he doesn't tell us anything that we cannot do. And yet we sense no power, we sense Nothing in us working through this to, to bring this to pass, amen. And, uh, you know, it, it just comes down to this. You know, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. And that, what the thing is, then we start, we start waffling. We start changing. Sometimes we change our theology and what we believe. It's like we know what the Bible says. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. And then all of a sudden you go forward and it's like, whoa. Let me go back here and see if I can do a change a few things, <laughs> amen. And then those things will change how I act and how I live. And it's like, that's because we're just accepting our, our weaknesses and just saying, you know what, uh, this can't be done. I can't do this. And you feel that. It's, it's, it's not like made up in your mind. You feel that, amen. You feel the, uh, you know, the, the hardness, you know. People are too wicked. You feel all kinds of things. You want us to do this, but we can't do this. We can't pull this off. Let's look at uh, 2 Kings 4, verse 31. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor ear. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. So, you know, the thing is, he never asked why not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, Elisha, you know, he's obviously demonstrating things that are way beyond the natural, 
He gives the staff to this man, his disciple. He lays it on him. He just comes back and says, yeah, well, you know. Never asked why. Amen. He didn't, he didn't you know, he, he, didn't, he said, I tried. It didn't work. And he just kind of moved on. And that can be every one of us. And so we can get very frustrated. We can get very disappointed when we don't see what we want to see or we think we should see. And we're right about that. But the issue comes down to our limitations. I can't do this. I have no power. And so that brings me to the second point. I'm just going to move through this. And that is Jesus here and Jesus gone. The answer for human weakness and limitations is Jesus Christ. He is the answer. In Jesus Christ, I do things that I could never do. You know, he gives us the ability to do what we cannot do. Christianity is not a self-help. It's not do good, try harder. It's God doing for us what we cannot do ourselves. And so it's very true. You know, when you look at your life, especially if you've been living for God for any length of time, you realize this is, this is not, I need God's grace. I need his enabling. I have to have it because I couldn't and can't do what he's asked me to do or asked me to become, amen. So the answer, it always comes down to Jesus Christ. God dwelling with people. Brilliant, if you think about it. God came down. John 1, verse 14. Okay, so God's desire... For man became flesh. Jesus lived the Christian life, if you want to put it in those terms. He lived the perfect life. He overcame every sin. He overcame the enemy. He did everything that was the will of the Father. Never once did he go, oh, well, that didn't work. Never once. And so, very practical, amen. You know, and John saw this. You know, we saw this. When you go into 1 John, he said, we were with him. We were with him. So as he's testifying, he's not just testifying of a project. He's testifying to the reality of Jesus and who he is and what he did. And so when they testify, it's like, this, this, is, this is huge. We handled him. We were with him. We were on the mountain, Peter said. You know, we're not just coming. This is not tales we're telling you about. God was among us. God became flesh. They're not just talking about another religion. You know, you knock on doors like, oh, yeah, we're not that religion. We're this religion. You know, and, and you know, everything in you wants to say, well, where's the power? But then sometimes you ask yourself that, don't you? Hmm, yeah. Where's the power? Where's the power, God. If this is it, if this is the one, oh, we all get to God our own, you know, there's many different roads. It's like, no, there's not. There's only one. Jesus Christ, amen. He's the only one that came down and became flesh, dwelt among us, the only begotten Son of the Father, amen. John saw that. He witnesses to that. He speaks of that, Amen. Acts 10, 38. 
So here, you know, when you read that, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power. Went about doing good, healing all. Not some, not most. Good track record, good batting average. No, he healed all. And you're like, you make the connection. He had the anointing of the Holy Spirit and power on his life. Amen. Went about doing good and healing. Whatever doing good. I mean, everything he did was good. Amen. That's God in the flesh. That's, God, that's the power of God, if you will, brought down to the need of people. The very thing that God is calling you and I now to do. To live out the life of Jesus on the earth. He calls us to do things that, as I just said, we lack a lot of things. We have a lot of problems and weaknesses and limitations. We need something beyond ourselves. And so, you, as you look, in, Jesus is the answer. Amen. Think about this, how wonderful it would have been to walk with Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, sometimes we want to go back to that. Oh, if we could just live during the time of the disciples and stuff. And, you know, in a real way, that's, that's true. Amen. I mean, whatever. Have you ever had a problem? Any problem? Bring it to Jesus. Right? He can meet every one of your needs. Every one. It's like, oh, my leg. Oh, thanks, Jesus. Right? Some of you guys think you're young. You go out and play basketball or ski and everything. So you come to church. It's like, oh, oh, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> going skiing next week. <laughs> I mean, but think about it. Can you imagine that? Every possible need. Amen. Personal transformation. Deliverance. You know, you find someone who's demon-possessed. Bring him to Jesus. <laughs> that demon's gone. I talked to somebody else. I know he was demon-possessed yesterday. <laughs> Amen. Uh, fit, you know, again, physical healing. Provision. Oh, I'm hungry. I could use a little bit of fish and loaves. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> There's nothing he can't do. Tax money, no problem. Go down to the water, throw in, throw in a hook. Got a little financial problem. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. Pay your taxes. It's amazing, isn't it? You think about it. Living with Jesus, nothing could go wrong. And if it did, he could make it right. Storm. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, this, can you imagine just living with him forever? And so, you know, in our text, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the whole wisdom here is, is you know, just, just if you don't know something. I mean, they are always asking, what, do you, what, what does this mean? What's going on here? He had the answer for everything. He cut through all the monkey shines of the religious people. You know what I'm saying? They're doing all their stuff, and he's just like, no, it's like this. It's like, whoa. Man, he sees everything. Discernment and understanding. It would have been great to be with Jesus. What do you think? Yeah, me too. 
Yeah, it would have been great. John 15, 5. And so this, this is so true. And with Jesus, they could do anything. There's nothing that could not be done or accomplished. It would have been great. And then Jesus, what's he do? He drops the bombshell, right? He tells his disciples, I'm going away. I'm leaving you. So three and a half years was really quick. You know, for the longest time, he would say, you know, he was going to leave or he was going to go on the cross, and they just never got it. I wonder if they just didn't want to get it. Well, I know he can't be saying that. <laughs> I'm going away. What does that mean? I don't know. Definitely doesn't mean what he's saying it means. Because nobody wants him to go away. And yet he tells them, I'm leaving you. Even Peter rebuked him, right? I'm going to the cross. No, no. No, no, no. We're on to a good thing here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really? I mean, you've got all the answers, every, everything, everything. You've got every answer to everything in life. Any problem is no problem with you. And he says, I'm going to leave. John 16, 16. And so in their minds, they're going to be on their own again, right? They only have a three-year period with Jesus before they were without him. And now they're going to be without him again. Now they're going to be back to their problems, their fears, their weakness in character, their lack of ability, definitely lack of understanding. How, many, Jesus, how long have I been with you and you still don't understand? And what Jesus said to them, they definitely have lack of understanding. Wisdom, short supply. I mean, you know, supernatural resistance everywhere they went. You know what I'm saying? There was resistance. Now there's no Jesus. He's going away. And so it's like, who's going to provide? Who's going to uh, uh, help us or deliver or guide? Who's going to do any of this stuff, amen? Who's going to transform? Who's going to empower us? You know, with you, we had power. He sent out the 12, right? He sent out the 70. They came back and said, ah, even the demons are subject to us. They were just like clicking their fingers and <laughs> clicking their heels together. They were having a great time. Amazing, isn't it? So Jesus is not even with them. And they go out on his word and have dominion and have a great time. People getting healed and touched. Kingdom of God, just such power. And they know now Jesus is going to leave and it's like, what are we going to do now? Amen. Who's going to help us now? Who's going to... Go ahead. I would. Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't before you came. Right. What says it's going to be after you leave? <laughs> Just this three and a half year stint, you know, with you. 
Uh, that's, you know, and now you're going to leave? Go ahead. Okay, yeah. So I'm also wondering if that was going through their heads. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things going through their head. You know, where, where I go, you know, you, you know, and it's Philip's like, no, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What are you saying that for? Phil. Yeah. This was just kind of window dressing all this miracle stuff. Overthrow the Romans, set up his kingdom. That was the whole mentality for the culture and, and part of the reason he was crucified too. He did, did you know, well if you're the son of God, come down. This this isn't our Messiah. Our Messiah sets up his kingdom. Yeah. Absolutely. John sixteen six. That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> Sorrow has filled your heart because I've said this. And yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And so you can understand that. So again, we're looking at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Not his functions and all that. We'll be looking at that. But today we're just looking at his very purpose in all of this. Because Jesus, you know, he, you know, he says it's even better that I go away. And I'm sure in their minds it's like, what could be better than you? What could be better than you? Any thoughts this morning? Go ahead. Yep. Anyone else? Because we're just laying the groundwork. We'll look a little bit more as we go through the book of Acts and dissect some things. But just the groundwork, the purpose is very purpose. Amen. Let's get some more scripture. John chapter 16, verse 7. Alisa. Mark chapter 2, verse 4. Phil. Acts 2, 3 and 4. Uh, Priya? Pia? Sorry, Priya. Pia. Uh -huh. She lives with me. She lives with me. You think I would know this by now? Yeah, I know. I know. What's your name again? What's the scripture? What's. Man, are we messing up or what? Acts 2, 3 and 4. Pia. How ridiculous is that? Sorry, I, I don't mean to do that. 
I wish I, I wish I could say I do mean to do that. <laughs> now I'm scaring myself. It's like I'm going to have to go get a checkup. Uh, McLean, uh, John 14, 16. And I need Luke 24, 49. Leah. That's all I have. Okay. So not too many scriptures today. So let's consider personal presence. Because God knows we cannot make it on our own. We have to have power beyond ourselves. He knows that. So God's answer is the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay, so he says it's to your advantage or it's profitable. Uh, King James says it's expedient. Amen. Much better. So you got to ask yourself, what could be better than Jesus physically. Why would it be any better? Very elementary, you know the answer, but I'll let you, I'll let you interject. <laughs> Amen. How could it possibly be better that Jesus be, would not physically be on the earth? That was a question. Question. How could that be? How could it be? What could be better than Jesus being on the earth? Or why would it be better? Why would Jesus say, it's better that I go away and the Holy Spirit comes? How could the Holy Spirit possibly be better? Phil? Well, because if Jesus is physically on the earth, he can only be at one place at one time. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere. There you go, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, you know, Jesus is only about 30 miles area. He never went any, you know, he was just mainly just north of the, of the Sea of Galilee was his major ministry down into Jerusalem. But his, his ministry is very, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How a man can have a ministry so small, and yet today it's so huge. Well, it was because he left. Really, it's the Holy Spirit. That's why the Acts, the book of Acts, should be called the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, that is basically the bottom line. Limitations to time. Can't, you know what I mean? The limitations, the distance, the crowds, and so on. Mark 2, verse 4. When they could not come near unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. So just in one little instance, you know what I'm saying? He, they couldn't even get to him in one arena, you know, in the house. So they had to go up and rip the roof off. And only so many people will let you do that. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so, you know, they, they can't even get to them then. It was such a crowd. So there's that limitation. Spencer? So in the Old Testament, kings, priests, prophets had the Holy Spirit, right? Um, why is there some level of mutual exclusivity of why can't the Holy Spirit be there on a more broad sense before he was asleep? Do we have any? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we can only... Uh, come up with ideas, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know exactly. I know in the Old Testament you had such a presence of law, man trying to uh, get to God through, you know, good works and such. And it, it's almost, a, it, you know, like, the, like Paul says, the Old Testament is just a picture for us to learn. It was a tutor to bring us to Christ. And so, um, 
yeah, you know, David was filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, Samson was filled with the Holy Ghost. But you're right, not everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God just designed it that way. I don't know if I have any specific answer that would satisfy. But, um, yeah, it, God, it wasn't until Jesus came, because it was all leading to Jesus. But then Jesus leaves, and so then the Holy Spirit has to step in Jesus' place to do the ministry that, you know, they've taken the world for Jesus Christ in the time of the Gentiles. But at that time, they're moving through a nation, and a lot of the witness was the nation itself, Israel. And Israel dropped the ball. But they were to draw other nations, like, like Abraham. You're going to be a blessing to other nations. And that's what it should have been, you know, that nation infiltrating other nations. But it never worked out that way. And so, and so now instead of the witness being just a nation, it's an individual people's lives. And it was back then, but yeah, you're right, at a limited, is there a why and a how come? I don't know, we could probably throw out a bunch of things. Do we have a, a perfect answer? No. But we do know that the Holy Spirit then was poured out in the New Testament. And so that's what we're kind of looking at. But yeah, good thought. Why? I don't know. Amen. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, as we know it in the New Testament, is to bring God's power to our lives personally. Even in the Old Testament, that transpired, that people were filled with the Spirit of God. And it brought God's power to their lives personally to, to carry out what God calls us to do. But now we're in the New Testament, Jesus has gone on to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And the, the purpose is that the power of God would then reside in all of our lives. That we would all be filled with the Holy Spirit. So God made, it's really God manifested in every one of us. Right? The power of God in, you know, it, it's God doing something through our lives. We don't become God, all right, or nothing of that nature. But it's that the power of God now can move through every one of our lives. Amen. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's God personally available to you and I through the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 3, and 4. And so the whole idea was that fire fell on all of them. It didn't fall on the 12. It didn't fall on a few. It didn't fall on most. For whatever reason, there was, there was a visible demonstration that the Spirit of God now is to be on every one of our lives. That we are all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so... Um, it's God at work doing something in us, of course, doing something obviously for us, and at the same time doing something through us. So although we don't have Jesus physically with us, we have the Holy Spirit with every one of us. That's the whole purpose. 
that we cannot do what we are called to do without the Holy Spirit. We cannot live the way we're supposed to live without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Like Paul said, it's not I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. The Spirit of God will not contradict Jesus in any way. Well, it can't. You know, theologically, they're all one. But it's spoken that way so we get an understanding that there's no contradiction here. You know, sometimes people get carried away. The Spirit becomes their own personal little genie in a bottle, you know. Well, the Spirit of the Lord. That's not, well, read the Bible. You're wrong. The Spirit of the Lord did not do that. It's not doing that because it's not in the Word of God. So stop, you know, talking like you've got this personal real estate, you know, where the Spirit lives and, you know. <laughs> The abuses can be crazy, but that's beside the point. We don't care about that. The, the problem is not the abuses. The problem is the Spirit of God not moving through people's lives. It's like I was telling somebody yesterday, we need somebody to, God just needs to raise somebody from the dead <laughs> right now. <laughs> Sometimes outreach is going to be kind of rough, you know. And so it's like, could somebody just die so we can raise you from the dead? See? See? But that's probably the wrong attitude, and so that's why that doesn't happen in my life. But, you know, I'm working on it, okay? Let's go back to the limitations, character. And so, anyways, but the, the issue is, is that it's the, God's power in our lives personally. God at work, amen. John 14, 16. Okay, so he's, he's another helper. He's, the, he's called the comforter, the parakletos, I think is how you pronounce it. Probably not, but <laughs> close enough. And it, it's a lawyer, right? It's somebody who's called alongside to help. One who, you know, gives aid or gives help. And that's, you've heard that many times. The Spirit of God comes alongside us. He helps us in every endeavor that we're called to do. He helps us, amen. And it talks about another, another helper. And so in the Greek, there are two words uh, for, for another. One is heteros, and the other one is alas or alas. Heteros, if they, he used that, it would have been of a different kind. But he doesn't use that word. He uses the word alas, which means exactly the same kind. So in other words, having the Holy Spirit is no different than the disciples having Jesus. That's what Scripture is laying out to you and I, that they had Jesus. And we can go, yeah, well, they had Jesus. But what Scripture is saying is, no, but you have the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus as much as they had Jesus. It's really what we're looking at. Not another. It's not like he's a replacement. He's the same as, amen. And so having the Holy Spirit is like having his power with you. But it's like having his power with you always and everywhere. Not just where he is at, but wherever you are at. Because the Holy Spirit is in you. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit, again, is to bring God's power to your life personally. Amen. The Holy Spirit is God in action, right? God doing something 
doing the same things that Jesus did for his believers. Uh, Luke 24, verse 49. I think Luke 24, 49. Okay, clothed or endured, it means to put on. So it, it would be strange to claim you have the Holy Spirit, but he's not doing anything. There's no evidence. Right? In other words, he's talking to his disciples. He says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. He's called them to take the world. He says, but I don't want you to do this on your own because you can't do this on your own man. You've got to get the, the promise of the Father. You've got to get the power. See, the, the Holy Spirit is like having Jesus with you all the time. And when you look in the book of Acts, you see, you see it, okay? You see the demonstration of what happened. You see men before and you see men after. In other words, the Holy Spirit Acts or the Holy Spirit performs. In other words, it has to be something that is demonstrable, visible. A visible change happened in these men. They were not the same men. The fear was gone. The hiding was gone. You know, you look, well, did they get saved? Or they were already saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And something changed in them. By the Spirit of God, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached to the same people that crucified Jesus, to the same people that had no problem lying and putting him on the cross and killing him, murdered him. They're murderers. Murders are murders. So now you're going to stand before these very same murderers and preach the same gospel and they're not going to murder you too. They just got away with murder. And yet he does it. Why? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changed who he was. The results changed. Everything literally changed. It was, a, it was demonstrable. Amen. And that's what he's telling them. You got to get the power. You've got to get the power. Amen. You know, you, you, you would do well from time to time to sit down and read the book of Acts and see what it says about the Holy Spirit. And just read it with that mindset. Amen. What does he do? Amen. Compare that with your own life. Amen. Do I have that? Amen. And if I don't, then how do I get that operating in my life? Because these men in the book of Acts were no different or better than anyone in this room. Spencer.
<laughs> You're right, yeah. And that's just incredible, you know? Just, uh, you know, we'd, we'd say he's got guts. Well, he had the Holy Spirit. It's just, it's beyond ourselves. It's beyond just guts and fortitude and backbone and strength and manhood and all these kind of things. That, you know, that might play in from time to time. I understand that, but no, it's beyond that, folks. He had the Holy Spirit. He has the same Holy Spirit you and I have. And so we have to be challenged in this, not back down from this, not change our doctrine, not change our theology. We have to look at it and say, okay, and then reflect it on our own personal lives. And so as we go through this study, we're going to look at some of the functions of the Holy Spirit, not get into all, you know, we're, it's going to be very practical. Very practical, amen. Because it's not I who do it, it's the Holy Spirit, the acts of the Holy Spirit. But he's got, he, move, he chooses to move through a vessel. You or anyone else, amen. It doesn't matter. He's not... You know, it's not like, well, he'll use you before he uses me. He'll use anybody at any time. There's no pecking order. There's none of that. So no seniority. There's no, you know, you're better, more spirit. No, 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 no. He'll use anyone who, who rises up and challenges themselves and say, God, use me. That's all it takes. It's all it takes. And then, of course, obviously, you're going to still face your same limitations. You're going to still face your same character. <clears throat> you're still going to face all those things. You're still going to face the enemy. You're going to face all those things. Those don't go away, man. Those limitations, still there. Still there. Peter, you know what I mean? 3,000 people get saved, still a limited guy. You know, you read later on, Paul's confronting him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just different things. God's confronting him still. Don't call him clean what I call clean. He has to have a dream three times. Three times. <laughs> Stubborn old boy, huh? Three times, sheets come down. He said, listen, I got a job for you to do. Get to work. That's just Peter, you know. Still have the same limitations, but turned it upside down. Ernie? Sits in the back and goes to the back. He was the only one on the bus. 
And as I'm getting ready to take off, the police surround the bus. <laughs> they, were, they were running after him. But he was so calm. And, and the police, I opened the door and said, the gun's in the backpack. I told the police immediately, the gun's in the backpack. So they rushed him. So I don't know what he did, but they took him off the bus. <laughs> at it. <laughs> You're coming through. I, I do believe you are. <laughs> Maybe after this time. <laughs> I know, criminals are consistent, aren't they? Lisa. I, I, I don't know. I don't know in that sense, you know what I'm saying? I, because when you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is right in the first chapter of, of Genesis. So the Holy Spirit wasn't like it wasn't in the book of Acts. It just, the Holy Spirit, or the book of, of the Old Testament, it just said, it seemed it, it seemed to have a different function. Not different function, but um, a different expression in the Old Testament. And because it, it started right in the beginning, you know, when the spirit hovered above the waters. That's the Holy Spirit, the spirit. Okay, so you had all those three, you know, Jesus is the creator and all blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when you, when you do it theologically, he was there from Genesis chapter 1, and he was there the whole time, yeah, empowering I men. Well, in, in that, when he came, yeah, obviously he left and the Holy Spirit came in that sense, but in a dynamic, because the Holy Spirit was on him. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the Spirit of God was still at work, but it wasn't until he left. And so I guess the question is, well, why did he wait until then? <laughs> why did he do it in the Old Testament? And, I, you know, I don't know if I have a sufficient answer, but uh, obviously the Holy Spirit was moving in the Old Testament. Um, yeah, I just didn't. It's mentioned more than it is in the new. Yeah. Yeah, obviously there was that point, obviously, that, you know, Jesus came to baptize, and it's one of the things he came to do, to baptize in the Holy Spirit, you know. I mean, it was, that was spoken before he even came on the scene. You know, John the Baptist spoke about that. You know, so obviously there's, there was that dynamic that we were kind of obviously looking forward to, you know, the Holy Spirit being poured out. So why God didn't pour it out in Genesis or, you know, obviously he had to destroy the world because of sin. All right. We will move on next week. Amen. Challenge you to read the book of Acts. Look for the Holy Spirit acting out in the book of Acts. Amen. Because he's doing it through you and I. He's doing it through people. Amen. And we can contend for that. Hallelujah. Lord bless you.